Hello, you are listening to a pastor in his newspaper with Dr. Castro, a podcast helping you read the news with the Bible in your hand. And I am Dr. Castro, and it's so awesome to be with you. And thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, I wasn't with you last week. We didn't have an episode last week because I was at a conference in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, a great, a favorite conference of mine called Together for the Gospel. And so I got the opportunity to hear great sermons and uh, see some old friends. But I am back and uh, I don't know about you, but I've been enjoying the NBA playoffs and watching my new adopted team, the Memphis Grizzlies. They are in the first round against the Minnesota Timberwolves. They won a um, the Memphis Grizzlies won a pretty exciting game five last second layup. Um, and so that's been pretty exciting to watch. Uh, obviously the Ukraine war against Russia is continuing. U S has agreed to, uh, send more aid to Ukraine in their fight against the Russians, Western European countries as well. It's continuing to pour more arms into Ukraine to fight that war. Uh, Russia has responded by um, kind of uh, restricting uh, natural gas to Poland, Bulgaria, and maybe a few other countries. But also the Russians are struggling to find buyers for their oil. So um, the sanctions, it seems, are maybe starting to work. Uh, So we'll see. Maybe in the coming months, Russia will be forced to the negotiation table and peace could be arranged ending that war. But obviously we have entered into a second cold war. Um, and it's interesting time because if you remember then the first cold, cold war, United States against the Russians, that's kind of the, the, in the middle of that was the space race in the U S uh, it's kind of, um, and the Russians race to the moon. And now we've entered into a new space race with SpaceX and we'll see new, maybe new technologies being produced in this second cold war. And so Elon Musk is, is now becoming kind of the prominent individual in our society today. And actually we're going to be talking about him and his reach recent purchase of Twitter. And the, the price is a pretty steep price. Uh, 46.5 billion dollars that Musk has offered up for Twitter that uh, leads out to about $54.20 a share. Uh, Britt Taylor is the lead uh, board member of Twitter and and they have agreed uh, to that offer by Elon Musk. Uh, Twitter had been expected to reject Mr. Musk's offer, which was well below the high of nearly $80 per share. That's where Twitter was uh, uh, trading at last year. But by the time the two men reconnected on Sunday afternoon, Twitter's board had voted in favor of negotiating with Mr. Musk and advisors were hashing out a $44 billion deal, which was eventually announced on Monday. And so Musk has to basically come up with with some some money of his own. Uh, He's offered about $60 billion of Tesla shares as collateral in this purchase because he's had to get some bank loans to be able to purchase uh, Twitter, but he must come up with 21 billion more of his own money, uh, which is, well, basically probably he'll be selling some additional shares of, of Tesla, um, to purchase Twitter. And so, uh, and I want to kind of maybe, uh, I'm going to provide a little bit of a, a timeline. This kind of all started on April the 4th, 
uh, when Mr. when El- Elon Musk disclosed a more than nine percent stake in Twitter, making him the largest shareholder. And and so due to that, Twitter the next day, that's April the fifth, announced that that Elon would be joining their board. And uh, and so because he ended up, I mean, he was the largest shareholder, and so therefore earned the right to sit on the board. Um, but, um, well, at the same time, Musk was, was criticizing publicly the company. Uh, and so actually declined on April the 9th, he declined the seat on, um, on the board. And so on April the 14th, Musk had offered to buy a hundred percent stake in Twitter and the price that he had uh, offered was fifty-four dollars and twenty cents uh, per uh, per share. Um, but at that time, Twitter had declined the offer because they didn't believe uh, they, they, he was actually serious about purchasing the company, um, and so they wanted um, basically that he had arranged financing for the offer, and so. They accepted his offer on April on April 25th. That was on a Sunday, and then it was publicly uh, leaked on Monday. And so, one of the interesting things about all this is number one, how much money Musk is willing to pay for a social media platform, and will he allow Donald Trump, President former President Trump, back onto Twitter? If you don't remember. He was famously removed permanently from Twitter immediately after the January 6, 2021 um, Capitol, Capitol Hill riot. Um, and so he was permanently removed. And so now we must allow President Trump to come, or former President Trump to come back onto Twitter. Um, of course, on Monday on Fox News, uh, Donald Trump had said that he had no plans to return to Twitter and was instead was going to use his truth social, which is his social media network to reach his followers instead of on Twitter. And so all this is, it's very interesting. What is he going to do? How's he going to change Twitter right now? I mean, what is kind of the, one of the reasons why he's he's wanted to purchase it is he's wanted to turn Twitter into, in, in some ways, an open source platform where speech will no longer be regulated, uh, which has been a part of the kind of the, the last year or so, Facebook, Twitter, uh, of, of regulating speech. And so Musk wants to use his finance, use his fortune to provide a a a platform that adheres to free speech principles. And and when we think about free speech, obviously um, uh, platforms like Twitter are are what we would would call a limited public forum. Uh, Places generally open to the public where speech can be subject to reasonable regulations. Um, but what's happening is, is that there have been some viewpoint discrimination, mostly amongst conservatives, where the these platforms like Twitter um, are regulating conservative speech, but not necessarily liberal speech. So, uh, you know, conservative opinions about transgenderism are censored as a tax on a protected group. Conservative views on COVID are flagged as misinformation 
on Twitter. And in May 2020, Twitter, Twitter censored as a glorification of violence. President Trump, when the looting starts, the shooting starts tweets. Um, so that was that was regulated, that was removed from the Twitter platform. While dictators like uh, the Alatola in Iran tweeted calling for the destruction of Israel, uh, which was not censored or regulated by Twitter. And Colin Kaepernick, former quarterback of the 49ers, tweets shooting the burning, supporting the burning of police precinct houses this was not regulated or censored by Twitter. It seemed like the only speech that is being discriminated against is conservative opinions. And claims that the Democrats stole the presidency in 2020 are censured, while claims that Russia did the same in 2016 go untouched. And of course, the truthful Hunter Biden laptop story was suppressed as misinformation. So it seems like there's a viewpoint discrimination going on at Twitter. And Elon Musk agrees with that criticism of Twitter and hence his desire to buy the the platform to provide a somewhat limited public forum where there is free speech that is subject to what we would call reasonable regulation that free speech principles will be applied to Twitter now that Musk owns Twitter 100%. And so what Twitter has done in the past is is have these fact check checkers who they're trying to uh, limit uh, or censor misinformation. When we think about free speech, free speech isn't necessarily protected, especially in a limited public forum, but even for clearly unprotected false speech, such as defamation or perjury or false advertising, the law imposes a simple yet critical requirement in all such cases that plaintiff or the prosecutor has to prove the statement was false. And so what's happening or has happened on Twitter is there's no proving if the statement is false or true. They're just regulating and censoring and removing it based off because it's not fitting what they see as the acceptable speech in their in their in their opinion, and so what these fact checker checkers on Twitter are claiming certain information is misinformation um, that is unsupported, that is unproven, that's lacking context, and but yet there's no mechanism of where they're going to to prove what is being said is actually misinformation or false. They're just saying in a lot of ways they're just discriminating a certain viewpoint as intolerant or hate speech or false or misinformation because they don't agree with the opinion. And so what you have is you don't have a public forum. You don't have uh, a limited public forum. You just have a, a forum that has to fit to the criteria of, or the viewpoint criteria of the fact checker of the company um, of and, and of the of the platforms, what they believe is acceptable speech. And so what so what Musk is doing here is he's buying Twitter because he wants to provide an open forum. And so what does that going to look like? What's going to happen? I mean, that's why he wants to. Uh, so when it comes to how's he going to produce a profit? So because he's getting loans from the bank. So the bank's going to want to have an understanding that he is going to try to 
to making profit so that he can pay back the loans. But he doesn't want to be so reliant on advertisement because what's one of the issues going on is that Twitter is restricting speech so that it's more, um, uh, so that advertising company or companies see it as a more appropriate place to have advertisements. And so another way that maybe Musk will think about um, producing profit from Twitter is maybe just creating a platform where people can tweet, they can put their content on this platform, and that data is simply collected in a database. And then Twitter can sell access to that data, giving Twitter's, uh, giving other companies and app developers access to this data that Twitter has collected through their tweets, allowing people to tweet freely on their platforms so that their business model is not as divorced from advertising alone. Now, Europeans have come out and said that that isn't just because Musk has bought Twitter doesn't mean that they're not going to regulate uh, social media content on that platform. And it doesn't mean maybe even the U.S. will pass regulation on social media platforms. That goes across the board for Twitter, for Instagram, for Meta or Facebook, um, YouTube, and other platforms of social media. And so, but I think it's interesting why this is an interesting topic and why I want to discuss it is free speech, the free marketplace of ideas. Where does that concept come from? The free marketplace of ideas. And, and, you know, as Americans who obviously we have a bill of rights, we have a first amendment that gives uh, the power of speech or gives the people the right of free speech um, or to assemble we are free market the free uh we have uh there's the right of the press to speak and to even to criticize the government the 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 bill of rights gives uh the press it gives people that freedom that power and so we live in a in a in a culture we live in a pluralistic culture where there should be a marketplace of ideas and having forums and having limited public forums that are open for speech. Now they may have reasonable regulations, but most speech is allowed, even if it's uh, even if it's speech that is bad speech. If we want to claim it as bad speech that criticizes or uses hateful words of other people, that it's is allowed on the platform. That no one outside is saying what is good speech and bad speech. They're not. They don't have the power to to discriminate certain viewpoints. And so the free market of ideas, and where does that uh, where does that phrase or idea come from? It comes from John Stuart Mill and John Milton. The theory holds that the free dissimulation of ideas creates a social process in which the truth competes and eventually wins out over falsehood. Just as just as Oliver Wendell Holmes, dissenting in Abrams versus United States, and shine the idea in first in the First Amendment jurisprudence by explaining that the ultimate good desired is better reached by free trade in ideas, the best test of truth is the power of the thought to get itself accepted in the competition of the market. And so the viewpoint is, is that good speech, truthful speech is always more persuasive and always will win the day in the marketplace of ideas. And so you don't have to actually restrict or regulate hateful speech 
speech that is violent, speech that is not wholesome. You don't have to actually regulate that on a platform like Twitter, but that true speech, that good speech, persuasive speech will always win the day. It's always desired. It's always better um, in the free trade of ideas. It's the best test of truth when you put bad speech and good speech that the majority of people will always state and always accept that the good speech is better than the bad speech. And should the government or should even an institution like Twitter that creates this public forum, should it create compelling, compelled speech or speech that is regulated or speech that says you have to fit this box? Uh, basically saying we've determined that all has been, all has been stated that this is the truth and anything that's not the truth should be rejected and should be um, eliminated, erased, uh, regulated, and censured. And we think about certain even Supreme Court cases even recently over the last few years, the one that came out of Colorado, the Masterpiece Cake Shop first Colorado Civil Rights, where a bake, um, a cake bake shop in Colorado rejected uh, making a cake for a gay couple because it um, went against their religious views. And what in this particular uh, legal case is that the government is, is requiring a compelling speech or compelled speech that you have to fit what we define as truthful speech. And you're, what you're saying by rejecting um making this cake for this gay couple, your speech is not tolerant and therefore is wrong and therefore is then uh, rejected or censured, or you are actually going to be judged and considered unlawful by the government because of your speech by stating that I don't believe in a, in, a, in a homosexual couple. I don't believe that is true. I don't believe that is right. And therefore will not accept or associate or affirm that couple by agreeing to make a cake uh, for them. So there's a long list of Supreme Court cases that establish that the government cannot acquire you to speak the government's message, whether that by saluting the American flag, saying the Pledge of Allegiance, or using a license plate that says, live free or die. The government can't even force you to say the Pledge of Allegiance. It can't compel you to speak in a way that it requires that you speak. But yeah, we live in a society now that compelling, compelled speech forcing people to speak a certain certain way remains powerful. And so what's been going on in some of these social media platforms like Twitter, hence why Musk is being a one who wants to adhere, who wants to push for free speech in our society, sees what's going on on Twitter in the past where they're restricting and, 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 and restricting speech and eliminating certain tweets as as not uh, as, as basically discriminating or a speech that discriminates or a speech that's hatred or a speech that's bad and saying you have to fit what our box of what is what is good speech and bad speech and sees that as wrong and he wants to promote free speech he wants to promote a society that creates public forums for open speech or open or, or, or forums 
that are that are uh, that that is promoting and encouraging the free market of ideas. Um, lo- talking a little more about this compelled speech. A compelled speech is the supposition that we have reached the truth and that the marketplace should be shut down or at least severely controlled. This is evident in how partisans frame the debate for each of the cases. In the eyes of many, the baker isn't fighting for free speech so much as he is simply homophobic. The public school teachers aren't fighting for free association so much as they are just anti-union. There's another case, uh, Janet's first AFSCME which is uh, the teachers union enforcing an employee to join the union, even though the public public school teachers didn't didn't want to join the union. And so as if solidarity is more important than independence or individual rights. So this view is that the government is saying that it's already been determined. Your speech or your rejection of making this cake is has already been determined as untruthful speech by the government. And it only wants to allow truthful speech. And so tolerance and discrimination is, is the, the larger ethical um, viewpoint than independence or free speech. And so when we think about even the government's power in a situation like this, does the government have the power to legislate or compel people to speak a certain way? Now, obviously, if we want to, if we're thinking about Romans 13, 1 through 7, where Paul talks about honoring the government, the government is given power by God. Government does not determine its own power. God gives the government the power. It, it gives it the sword uh, to protect life um, and the possessions of its citizens and to punish lawbreakers, that those who break the law are punished. They are to, the government is to uphold the law, to execute the law. And, and also, as, as citizens of a government, we ought to do good. We have no reason to fear the government if we do good. I'm going to just read Romans 13, 1 through 7, because I think this is an important passage as we think about speech and um, the government's role in speech. Um, obviously, the, like I said before, the Bill of Rights gives uh, citizens the power of the right of free, free speech, that we can speak openly, that we're not going to be judged by our speech. Paul says in Romans 13, let each person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Whether you have no fear of the one who is in authority, then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes are to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed. 
a ruler is not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. We have no reason to fear the authorities if we follow the law. But does the government, its role here is as to judge lawbreakers, to protect uh, citizens from those who break the law. This is the role of, of the government and its authority and its responsibility as the bearer of the sword. This is given by God. This is a God-given task to protect the life and the possessions of its citizens. And we will be punished. If you're violent towards your neighbor and his properties, you will be judged. If you try to steal what is not yours, you'll be judged, punished by the government. And we try to do what is good. We try to, uh, you know, follow the law. And, and the pastor says that if we follow the law, the government will stay out of our business and will provide the conditions for me to, to do well in life because I'm not a breaker of the law. I have no reason to fear the government and the government's providing protection to me from the lawbreakers. And so when we, that's the government's uh, authority, it's its jurisdiction uh, given by God. And, and so we just don't think that the government is tasked by God to regulate speech on a social media platform or to uh, be in league with uh, social media platforms to regulate certain viewpoints or discriminate against certain viewpoints. We live in a country that is, is built off the foundation of the Bill of Rights, and we have the freedom of speech. It's one of our rights. It's one of our, our founding rights is to be able to speak. And so as, as Christians, as we think about, I mean, for many Christians, they're celebrating Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter. It's like, okay, now, now I can speak openly. I can speak, um, you know, with no fear or no um, sense that my, my views will be regulated or um, that they will be discriminated against by this platform, that they won't, they won't be erased by this platform. And I can speak openly on this platform and certain people can accept my views or my, 